0: Are you an aspiring creative in entertainment, business, fashion, design, or the arts? Do you want to elevate your creative passion project to the next level? Then this show is for you. Whether you want a career in television, film, radio, literature, music, or beyond, Creative Breakthrough will show you how to take your dreams and turn them into reality. This show will not only leave you feeling motivated and inspired, but also provide you real-life tools to pursue the creative journey you have always wanted. I'm your host, creative coach, and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassab, aka The Funny Brown Girl. Yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle. Today's episode is brought to you by HoorayForCBD.com. If you struggle with anxiety, whether it's performance anxiety, social anxiety, or generalized anxiety, CBD is a non-addictive, legal, and natural product to help you find relief. I use CBD every day to take control of my mood, reduce my inflammation, and decrease my stress levels. After a long day at the office, CBD gummies help me relax and focus on my creative passion. If you're looking for relief from anxiety, stress, or insomnia, visit HoorayForCBD.com. Armed with a prestigious MBA, Alia was on track to be a successful banker on Wall Street when she decided to leave her coveted job and trained at the International Culinary Center. Alia Lee Kong now calls herself a chef, cookbook author, television personality, mother, and now app developer. Alia has worked at a number of restaurants around New York City, including Junoon, which won a Michelin star, before writing her first cookbook, Exotic Table, Flavors, Inspiration, and Recipes from Around the World to Your Kitchen. Alia has been a guest chef on NBC's Today Show, a judge on the Food Network, a culinary expert on MSNBC's Morning Joe, and has been widely covered in publications like Food & Wine, Vogue India, Shape, Oprah, Eater, and Food Republic. Alia is now head of culinary for Real Eats. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, Alia.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Shane. No
0: problem. I can't believe after all these years we're finally connecting again.
1: I know, and it was it, you just told me the story of how you heard me speak recently and it's, it's so random how we're all connected.
0: Yes, it's a small world. (laughs) Totally. So I I always start with the same question for all my guests. So I want to start with uh, starting from the beginning. When and how did your creative journey start? Sure.
1: I mean, I think for me, and I think for most people, the creative journey starts when you're really young, right? I mean, that's when your mind is free enough to think about all the things that you want to do and how you want to spend your time and what's interesting to you. And, um, you know, we all sort of were in art classes and music classes and um, and I was cooking alongside my mom and, and, and things that, that sparked a lot of creativity when I was young. Um you know, I was a dancer. I, uh, I played the piano and the guitar. I taught myself the guitar. I was constantly kind of dabbling in different creative fields. I was cutting up my mom's napkins to make clothes for dolls. <laughs> like there was a lot of kind of sketchy things that happened when you're younger. And, you know, I think as I got older, um, probably not unlike a lot of people that sort of that, that immigrant ethos and that, that need for security in your job kind of sort of delimits what is your natural next step. Um, You know, besides education kind of being on the table, it was really, you know, what what does that serve? How does that serve you? What is going to happen after school? You know, are you taking care of yourself? Are you able to sustain yourself? And all of which are really important questions, but some of which also mitigate the creative process, I think, right?
0: There is definitely that immigrant mentality that puts the Kabouche on all that stuff that says. Okay, where are you going to school, and then how are you making money? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean
1: that's natural for everybody, and I think as a parent, now that I'm a parent, I mean, I I can you know, and I completely understand you want to know that your child. I mean, my daughter is five or almost five, and I'm doing things right now to kind of foster independence because I'm like, you know, I'm thinking from now, I want to make sure that she's self sufficient, and I think that's that's the natural kind of process of parenting. So I can't no one can blame them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you were an investment banker. So you had this great Wall Street job, great salary coming in, you had your MBA. How how did you when you decided to leave that job? How did you think you were going to make money after culinary school?
1: That's a great question. Uh, So, you know, I really felt positive that I could carve out this niche for myself space that was not as diverse as as we'd all like it to be. Um and so, you know, in terms of I had saved a lot, um, and um I have a very supportive husband as well, who was just like follow your dreams, go. And, you know, my thought was, you know, it's gonna take a little time, you know, I, I need to get my I need to earn my stripes and I need to get some gain some, some real background and understanding of this industry and of my craft as a chef, chef. And then after that, I'll be able to kind of go. Um, and so it's, it's been, it's been nice. Obviously, you know, I I knew that I could always work in restaurants, which is, you know, not the best paying job, but it is still an income. Um, and so, you know, I kind of, I kind of just went for it and, and, um, really just risked it all, <laughs> risked it all to, uh, and I also just, I, I think I was, a, I, yeah, I was definitely a little bit foolish and I think my naivete was helpful because I was like, Oh, I'm going to make it back. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do it. Like that was, that was my attitude. And, and so, you know, I just, I went ahead and enrolled in culinary school. You know, I worked in restaurants. Some of them I worked for pay, some I worked for free. I really tried to learn across cuisines. Um, you know, and I was lucky enough to get a really great job at the the last place. Uh, Genoon, which was the last restaurant I worked at where I was a culinary creative director. And, you know, at that time I was also doing stuff on TV and uh, I wrote my first cookbook then. So, you know, it was, it was um, it's it's been an interesting path.
0: You mentioned you thought you could carve out a small niche for yourself when you, when you talk like that, did you, had you researched the industry and decided, okay, I can, this is where I'm going to focus my attention?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think kind of, naturally, I was just looking at what's out there and whether it spoke to me. And I didn't see enough that that's, that spoke to me and spoke to the way that I want to cook at home and this concept of multiculturalism and, and how the United States demographics are shifting and the fact that, you know, the number of brown people out there is going to be increasing, the number of multiracial marriages is increasing, and, you know, what are these second... Um, second-generation kids eating at home and how are they taking the foods that they grew up with and adapting it to to what they want to eat here. You know, I look at someone like a David Chang and what he was doing, you know, 10 years ago. And it was really that idea of taking his Korean heritage and kind of bringing it into a space where it made sense for what he wanted to eat now. And I think it's that simple. And so that was that was sort of, for me, I just felt like, you know, I come from Pakistani, East African roots. My husband's West Indian, Trinidad, um, which has a huge influence of between Indian and Chinese influences on the West Indian food. I mean, the stuff I cooked I, last night alone, I made peas and rice with a with an East African stewed beef. Like, and that was dinner. It was Trini, Trini peas and ripe with East African stewed beef. That was my, that was literally our dinner last night. And, wow, i coming over it <laughs> tomorrow. It's <that's> really good. <laughs> The East African beef is a really, it's like a green chili cilantro. It's like, it's a delicious beef, but it made sense. To me, it makes sense together and it did. Um, and so kind of, you know, what does that look like? And and what are some dishes, how are ways to showcase that in a way that's, you know, that's easy to be replicated by someone who just wants to try that food. And that was my niche, right? Or that is my niche.
0: So I want to take a step back. So you're sitting at your desk in New York, at this investment bank, you know, you're getting this hefty paycheck at the end of the week. When did you realize you could turn your passion for cooking into your, your new career?
1: You know, I, um, I was cooking, like, I would say just recreationally, like crazy. I was, um, you know, I, I was dreaming about dishes at my desk and I was, you know, getting the ingredients delivered so that I could, you know, I'd get home at 10 or 11, I'd be up till two or three in the morning cooking and making this dish that I had in my head that I needed to make. It was my creative outlet. It was what I was, you know, I was throwing parties every weekend. I was having people over. I was, you know, it it, it was kind of an, it was an obsession. Um, And then I decided to take a class. um, And it was really in that class and understanding the kind of the, the, the format of cooking professionally because um, it was taught by chefs and it was their stories, and it was also kind of a traditional cooking cat class and learning kind of some of the steps to the building blocks to making a great dish and it was in that moment that I really just said to took a step back and said, "Oh, I could actually do this as a career. I could actually make this into something." Um, and I was in that class with my mom. So that was a little bit of a shock to her when she found that out in that class that I was going to quit and become a chef, but it, it was a really quick, um, it really clicked immediately, uh, in the professional kitchen that I, that I could turn it into a career.
0: And how long before you finally quit? A couple of months, two, two three months. Yeah. And when it clicked, it, it was like, did it click saying I could do this? Like I could yes. be in a kitchen cooking for people. It was this, it
1: was this idea that no matter what, um, no matter what direction I went in food, my, I fire on all synapses in the kitchen. So I'm going to continue to want to learn. I'm going to continue to want to grow as a chef because I love this. Really. That's kind of the simplified version of it. It was this idea that, you know, being in a kitchen makes me extremely happy. You know, I can, spend an entire day concocting recipes and, or working on the line and I would enjoy myself. So, you know, I think that that was, and that would make me work harder. And I just felt like all of those things together were were Mm -hmm. the right formula for dedicating yourself to a new
0: craft. So I want to go back to your mom's reaction. What were your parents' reaction when you told
1: them? I would say that they were none too pleased about this. I think, you know, like any parent, there's, there's fear, there's, there's, how is this, what is this space? Like, how, how are you going to do this? And, you know, it's, it's, and, you know, thinking about having a daughter, you know, that wants to do this as well and and being in a kitchen that might be male dominated. And I was kind of like, this is light work compared to finance. (laughs) I mean, if you're talking about, that's not a big deal, but, um, you know, I, I think there was definitely some trepidation at that time, but they, they worked through it. And, um, you know, I think they've seen kind of, the, the fruits of my labor. And that's, that's made, it's all made sense to them now. So a kind of a test of time.
0: So I guess when you told your parents and they came to terms with it, was there, was there trepidation around how you were going to make money or was it more around like you're throwing away this great education?
1: All of it. I definitely, I definitely had people come up to me uh, your friends, moms and say, so are you going to put that business degree to use now that you know, you've become a chef and you know, that, that all that good, good stuff. I'm like, well, actually, yes. It's all incorporated. <laughs> Don't worry. Yes,
0: yeah, because you, you do use your business degree still, right? Yeah, if
1: you're running your own business you, you have to. And if you're thinking about I mean, and most recently I've created a, a children's app to teach kids about world culture through food. And um, you know, that's required me to kind of learn a whole new space and sort of pivot in food in a different way. And um and all of that sort of background and discipline and you know, degree has helped me kind of understand how to move forward in that.
0: So you touched on this a little bit about your naivety and when you, when you left your, your job, what advice would you have for others looking back on how you left your job and started at culinary school? Like what advice would you have for others who are trying to make that severe switch in their careers?
1: Oh, I would say to go work in whatever space you want to be in first. And before quitting, like not, not necessarily work, work in quotation marks, like You know, if it's a job that's a week, you know, that works on the weekends, go work on a weekend somewhere. Shadow somebody, be in that space. You know, go really do your diligence before you just kind of up and up and leave. That's what I would say. I, I mean, I was lucky because I did that and I loved it. But you know, I know, like I'll I'll tell that just in the culinary space. Let me just take that as an example. Half the kids I went to culinary school with didn't end up working in the culinary space afterwards. They oh, yeah, couldn't, they or, didn't like it. they couldn't really find their footing or they, you know, they didn't really want to be in restaurants and the jobs that are outside of restaurants, you know, at, they didn't want to be in restaurants or, or catering. And so then it was kind of like trying to find your place in, let's say the food media world or writing or all of those other things is not always the easiest. And so, you know, some of them just are great cooks now and are, you know, but they didn't really move into that space. And I think, you know, kind of understanding what you're getting into really well before making that jump. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think, you know, just like I said, for my daughter, if she wanted to leave one job to do another, I'd make sure that she understood what she was getting into. That's, I think, the most important thing.
0: So with such a demanding job, did you, you had time to go and shadow other people? Um, no, but I think having worked,
1: you know, having taken that class in, in culinary school and I mean, that, that culinary class for a weekend and kind of understanding what that would look like. I just kind of knew what it was. And I also knew that I was kind of making my own space a little bit. So that was a bit different than, than just leaving and knowing, you know, then if I had said, I'm going to work in restaurants and I want to run my own restaurant, Do you want- I think that's a totally different, no, I never want to, if you're going to ask me <laughs> if I ever, I I'd, I'd never want to run my own restaurant. <laughs>
0: So you went to school, you went to culinary school, and then it's it sounds like your career really took off. I mean, your restaurant won a Michelin star, you put out a cookbook, you had multiple T V opportunities. Walk us through how you're able how you were able to rise so fast in your new career.
1: You know, I think that I was a little bit older when I you know, I was I was closer to thirty when I became a chef. So I was really had an agenda, and so i I feel like you know, even from the second that I could start interning in culinary school, I was interning and I was you know, sort of chasing down opportunities in different restaurants and really trying to grow myself as a chef and and cultivate my own style of cooking and my own story in the space. and you know, I think I think there's that piece of it, and then there's a lot of luck that goes into it, too, that people downplay, but I think I had a lot of opportunities, you know, maybe through, networking and meeting people and getting introduced to other people. But I think that there was a lot of luck that came into play. I mean, even my cookbook was, my cookbook was a publisher literally reached out to me via email, you know, on my info at email off my website. Not even sure now in this space, given how saturated that that's a possibility, you know? And so, you know, I was, that was a really lucky kind of piece to what I was doing. And, um, So, yeah, so I think it's sort of a combination of, of, you know, work and luck.
0: (laughs) Are you one of those people who makes like a goal sheet or a vision board where you put all these things up there? Like you want to have a cookbook and you want to be on TV and do you kind of track your life in that sense? Or is it kind of just whatever comes your way comes your way? That's
1: hard. I think that I like kind of already know in my head what I want and then I like live and breathe that. I don't necessarily need to kind of track it out on a piece of paper. Um, I actually did, for purposes of pitching to an agent, mm-hmm. but I would not have done that without that that opportunity. If that makes yeah. sense, I would have just it would have been in my head what I wanted, and I would have kind of just chipped away at, at everything to get to those points. Got it. And a lot and a lot of it is sort of those opportunities coming along, and you sort of seeing that being the right time, and and all of those kinds of things. You know, I was lucky that obviously, like I said, that the cookbook people came knocking at the same time I was pregnant as I was writing my cookbook. And so, and I had to photograph it myself and there was no photography budget. And in fact, you know, my, my agent told me not to take it because it wasn't as lucrative as they'd want it to be. And I said, it doesn't matter. I need to write a cookbook. I need to start to establish myself in that media space. And so I did it against other people's wishes. So, you know, I think you, you kind of have to figure out, what opportunities make sense for you and, and are going to get you closer to your goals pretty much every day. And, and that's that's really the measurement every day is, is what I'm doing, getting me closer to whatever these goals are that I have.
0: So do you have an agent? Was the agent for writing a book or was the agent for your publicity? Uh, no, it was in my overall,
1: uh, William Morris uh, represents me. So it was just my overall agent that would handle any of these, any TV, books, anything.
0: Okay. So chefs have a chef's have an agent then to help them with the publicity and the PR. Well, That's different. Publicity and PR is different. So publicity
1: and PR is someone you actually pay to work on your behalf to publicize you. An agent fields larger deals and opportunities, if that makes
0: sense. Yes.
1: Sometimes there's a little crossover, you know, like if a let's say if a PR person books you on like the Today Show, but your agent could easily do the same thing.
0: So you got an agent before the book came out? like <laughs> Yeah, that didn't even make sense. It, that's what I
1: mean about opportunity and luck because I did, I had an agent and I was a chef at a restaurant and mm-hmm. it didn't even make sense. And I'm like, this is what I could be. Here's my deck, <laughs> help me out, help me get
0: there. <laughs> so that's awesome, that's why I'm sorry if I'm asking questions about this, but I didn't no, realize no, like no. chefs and restaurants had agents. No,
1: I, I, don't, I don't think they all do. I think mm-hmm. that if they have a media agenda some do and okay. some get signed on. And I was just lucky, I think, you know, at that time to meet the right people and to meet a management team that would sort of come on with me. Okay. Um,
0: so you had a media, you coming out of culinary school, you had a media agenda, like you knew where you wanted to take your career in the yes. sense of a cookbook and I did. TV. Okay. I did. I, so you, I, you had planned it out. Yeah.
1: And I think for me, again, this sort of Cultural diversity in food and multiculturalism was my agenda, and I felt like the most efficient way to get it out there was through media.
0: You talk about the multi-layer um, niche that you created. What else did you do to sort of differentiate, differentiate yourself from everyone else out there to make yourself successful?
1: You know, I think that um, to differentiate, I mean, I, I I feel like, you know, your personality and kind of who you are just differentiates you in in many ways. Um I think again I didn't take a traditional approach um, you know I didn't work in one restaurant and work my way up I, I kind of cultivated a style of cooking by learning across cuisines and you know going into people's homes and traveling and, and learning from local people in different locations that I traveled to um, that was all sort of part of my education as a chef I, I mean that's what I'm passionate about it's what I want to it's what I'd love to understand. It's it's sort of this anthropology of food that's super interesting to me. But I think at the same time, it probably, it did differentiate myself.
0: So as, so that, I mean, you, you seem very confident in a male dominant industry. So I can, I can, from what you said earlier, it seems like being a woman of color actually helped you create your niche. Was there any actual challenges that came with being a woman of color in the industry?
1: You know, I've sat down with networks and, people in, in production companies who've said, you know, nobody's going to understand that. It's too obscure. It's too, it's not going to appeal to the mainstream. That's something I've definitely heard. And I just don't care. And so, you know, I just keep going. <laughs> I just keep going with it. Um, but I think that, yes, you know, you're, there. there is that, you know, like I look at some of these, these networks and you see mac and cheese being made 50,000 different ways, but you're trying to come in and show, you know, something else. I I don't know. I I, I think that it's, it's, it's all going to correct itself. It's just a matter of timing. Um, And I think audiences are changing and the millennial audience is going to be a very different animal um, as they age than, than the traditional people that have watched TV. And I mean, forget TV, let's look at the OTTs and the Amazon and Netflix of the world and the type of Um, And we can already see a shift in kind of food programming and what's interesting to them. So, you know, it's, I I definitely have faced some, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of tension around, uh, you know, wanting to showcase ethnic cuisines or or that sort of thing. Um, But I think it's kind of, it's all going to write itself. And I think it'll all change.
0: When you say all change, like, do you think it has to wait until we get a new president no. or it's going to change with or without it? No. <laughs> or do you just mean with generations?
1: I really just mean generations and demographics and all of that stuff, but I don't even want to give like, let's keep this on a high note today because I can't
0: even process that. So uh, let's, we'll switch gears a little bit. You just launched an app. So, I mean, in that so you're entering the technology space now you're diversifying what inspired you to kind of move into that space oh my daughter
1: so you know kind of going back to this concept of being it's like every every layer is sort of now starting to come through in terms of you know my watching the stuff that my daughter's watching or what she's on the you know what she's playing with on the app and just feeling like there was a lack of diversity I just felt like I can't just talk about, I need to do something. I need to create something. And then, you know, thinking about food and connecting with kids, it was just a natural way to teach kids what I think is one of the most important things, which is cultural empathy. And really my food is meant to teach that too. It's like, how do you get people to be particularly in this political environment, going back to that, you know, cu- culturally empathetic to other people. You know, we're, we're going to be in a position where I think 60% of the world's children Sorry, 40% of the world's children will be in Africa by 2030. And then, you know, 80% of the world's population is going to be between Africa and Asia over the next 30 years. So, you know, we are, uh, I think the thing that I always say is I want children to understand that they are part of this great, big, wonderful world, but they're not the only part. And so this to me was my way of sort of getting all these layers of who I am as a personality, all of the layers of my personality into sort of a product. It was, you know, a niche that I see as a caregiver, um, as the primary caregiver of my daughter, you know, and then kind of combining that with being a chef and um, and then my background and understanding business and that sort of thing. And, and that's, that's kind of how this was created and, and the inception of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think it's important for creatives to find different avenues to sort of uh create their business so not just focusing on one thing like being a chef but like sort of diversifying?
1: I think that's what I do because I hope to always evolve as a person and I feel that evolving and pivot- I just watched um Arianna Huffington give a speech and she was talking about the importance of pivoting. Um and that's how I feel as well. I feel like, you know, you have to continually pivot if you see, like, for example, I'd love to do more in media, but I find, found that, you know, this, this industry is really saturated in terms of the types of the way people are consuming content. It's at a rate that I can't quite keep up with unless I do a YouTube and I do this and do all of these other things, um, you know, and grow a huge following based on people that have already been doing it for 10 years. You know, it's it's a, it's, it's difficult to sort of keep up with that. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was, how do I still get the same message out there and through a different medium? And maybe my audience is slightly different as well. And you get kids when they're younger. And I think, um, I mean, I, and, and to me, there are so many things that are important about kids cooking and this next generation understanding it because it's, it dovetails with nutrition and health. I mean, all of the studies are people that cook for themselves are healthier. You know, we, we, we need more of that. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like in terms of a mission and and what I've always wanted to kind of accomplish, it allows me to pivot and have a kind of more of a mission-driven, um, mission-driven goals as I'm, you know, not that I didn't with what I was doing before, but it feels closer to home, just having a child.
0: So what you've launched the app now, like what are the next steps in your career? Like what else are you looking at doing to kind of, like you said, be on the edge and create new opportunities for yourself?
1: Well, I'm looking to, to grow this app into a larger brand as well. Um, You know, to that end, I'd like to do an animated series and create digital content. And um, I'm actually talking to production partners and animation studios now. Awesome. And, And that's what I, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to do that. Um, and it also, for me, takes it a little bit off of me as a personality, which, you know, as you get older and you get a little grumpier, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of, I think it's it's it was wonderful to write these stories and I'd love to continue to create
0: content around this. Mm-hmm. Have you faced new challenges though now that you're in a new space? Oh my gosh. Of
1: course. Of course. It's like every day it's waking up and learning something new and trying to, you know, like, It's, I'm constantly, constantly learning and constantly meeting new people and trying to take temperatures and understand industry norms and, you know, figure out the next way to grow. And, um, you know, it's constantly a challenge, but it's also, it's pretty fun. It's, it's kind of fun to be able to do that as well.
0: What's been probably the biggest challenge you've
1: had? I think my initial shift to being a chef, I the biggest challenge was, um, accepting that what I knew before really didn't apply. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of grow, as you grow up, you're kind of taught, you're kind of creating a resume, sometimes, right? Some of us are, you know, what school you go to, what college you go to, what your job history is, how it is, how, you know, when you put all of that on paper, does it all flow nicely into whatever this sort of next step is? And for me, none of that really mattered. I mean, I, I could have done that when I was, I could have gone into culinary school when I was 16. I, it didn't really matter that I had done all these other things when I walked into a kitchen. And so it mattered to me, it mattered to my long-term strategy, but it didn't matter to the present, to that to that moment of being in a kitchen or working in a restaurant or any of those things. And so that for me was a bit of a, um, you know, from a from an ego perspective, you kind of have to take it down and just Start over. And
0: that was, I think that was a challenge. Was it hard? Like, was that ego taking, taking a step back and start feeling like, oh my God, I'm so old starting this new venture? Did that actually make you hustle harder?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Cause I was like, I need to make up for lost time. I need to go. <laughs> I'm so impatient. So I'm always like, everything that happens, I'm like, this should have happened three years ago. Like I'm, I'm always I'm that type of person. So, um, so yeah. So yeah, it was, it was kind of frustrating in the beginning, but it was good. I feel like it was so good for me. I feel like I grew emotionally and socially from it. Like I, I grew a lot from it.
0: So what advice do you have for other creatives on their journey? I think that my biggest piece of
1: advice is not to listen to anybody else, but yourself
0: it's like if you have a
1: like it, it really comes down to like i said about work and opportunity and luck but i think that carving out your own vision is probably the most important thing and you know again going back to that weakness being your strength what what makes you stand out what or what makes people kind of wonder about what you're doing is what's going to make you stand out so just keep going at it
0: and so don't listen to your parents <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, man, I almost, I have this phrase that I was thinking about telling my daughter when she gets older, which is like, don't let anyone, even if it's me, don't let anyone stop you. But I'm like, do I really want to give her that advice? Do I
0: really <laughs> want it to be?
1: Um, I, I think ultimately you're responsible for your own life.
0: So mm.
1: you, you have to listen to your own voice.
0: I'm sure your parents are now very proud of you. I mean, they never were not proud of you, but I don't yeah. think.
1: They're they are pretty happy. Yes.
0: You haven't <laughs> let them down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we're going to jump into the lightning round. The lightning round is I'm going to ask you, um, five questions, rapid fire, and you just answer the first thing that you think of. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Keep going. What is a written or verbal resource you would recommend to creatives on their journey to read or listen to? Uh, Ayn Rand the Fountainhead. Who inspires you and why? Um,
1: my mom inspires me just because she's hustled for so long and, um, she's never complain like she's just an amazing she's a surgeon uh, she just retired but she worked for 40 years I never heard her complain about her job I never you know she was up at the crack of dawn she was home after we were in bed and um, you know that level of sort of dedication has always inspired me
0: what's a habit that's helped you on your journey discipline what do you want your legacy to be
1: uh, I want my children to be amazing people
0: well alia where can our listeners find you online if they wanted to get in touch or follow your uh, where you'll be next in new york sure
1: yeah no um my instagram facebook and twitter is at alia lee kong and um i also have a website that's www.alia so between those you'll find me
0: cool well thank you so much for joining us today alia yeah thank you hey before you hit pause Did you find this episode helpful and enjoyable? If so, could you leave an Apple podcast, aka iTunes review? It'll take you less than one minute and mean the world to me. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the more people are able to find this podcast. If you're unsure how to leave a review, no worries. If you're on your iPhone or iPad, go to the homepage of this show and scroll down to write a review. Click on it and you'll be able to rate and review the show. If you're on a Mac from iTunes, go to the show homepage, and on the top, click Ratings and Reviews. Also, please subscribe to get the latest episodes once they drop. If you enjoy the episode and know someone who would love it, please share. From your iPhone, click on the icon with three dots and then share via social media, email, or text. If you want to hear more, head over to funnybrowngirl.com forward slash podcast. You can also find me online I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Funny Brown Girl. Also, sign up for my free newsletter for more tips to advance your creative journey at FunnyBrownGirl.com forward slash subscribe. And again, if you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thank you for listening. See you next week.